0: Now for Raising the Bar, Greater RVA's premier law talk radio show. Good morning and welcome to Raising the Bar, Greater RVA's law talk radio show. Today we're going to talk about multi parenting. When can a child have more than two parents? Can a child legally really have three or more parents? And joining me today is uh, attorney Katie Kittstein, um, both of us with the law firm of Locke & Quinn, which is conveniently located in the Willow Lawn Shopping Center area. Um, so remember that Raising the Bar Law Talk radio show brings a, a, an exciting and varied array of legal topics to listeners throughout Central Virginia every Wednesday at 9 a.m., but also you can catch the show on the Locke and Quinn Facebook page, all of the video replays, and you can also catch the podcast on iTunes on the Raising the Bar Law Talk podcast uh, series. In addition, if you go to the Raising the Bar Law Talk radio show website, we have listed there all of the low-cost, reduced-cost, and no-cost um, legal services that are available to the legal community. So, um, the show is really trying to educate folks on different areas of the law. And today we're going to talk about this a new um, kind of evolving area of uh, cases where uh, children can have more than, than two parents legally recognized by the court system. So, if you have any questions today uh, about that topic, please call into the show at 804 454 1366. So, good morning, Katie. Good morning, Colleen. Good deal. Uh, Katie's just getting over the flu, so poor thing. She got hit hit by the the flu along with uh, most of the other Virginia population this winter. So, um, but uh, nonetheless, she is a trooper to be here today (laughs) asking me questions about multi-parenting.
1: Yes, if my voice is a little lower than usual, then that is why. But um, so, Colleen, I guess uh, getting started on this topic, can you um, explain what you mean by tri-parenting or, or multi-parenting?
0: Right. So, tri-parenting, it's a little bit different than um, just, you know, the grandparents having mm-hmm. visitation or somebody having some some sort of third-party visitation mm-hmm. rights. Uh, tri-parenting is, is really where the courts have recognized that there are truly um, three legal parents. Mm -hmm. Now, there are very few cases where the courts um, actually say all three parents are legal parents that have the same rights um, vis-a-vis each other. Um, A lot of the cases that are out there will give uh, two parents kind of the legal parent rights and then the third parent almost legal Mm -hmm. standing, Um, but a true tri-parenting case is where the court has actually said, all three of you will be recognized and all three of you um, will be placed on the child's birth certificate, which is Mm -hmm. another evolving um, area of the law as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So is is this something that's recognized in Virginia?
0: Not officially to give all three parents the same exact status, but... um, we are able to get something pretty close in Virginia, and um, I, I one of the cases that I handled was a case where a child had been born from a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. from a heterosexual marriage, and then they divorced. So we have biological dad um, who was the ex husband. We have biological mom who's the ex wife, and the ex wife then um, remarried in a lesbian relationship. So. Um, now her wife has basically stepped in and has been helping to parent the child. And the ex-husband recognized that. Mm-hmm. So he was willing to give a joint legal custody to the new wife mm-hmm. while he still retained um, his rights of you know support and visitation, well, his responsibility of support and mm-hmm. his rights of, of visitation and also having um, legal custody able to make decisions for the child. So um, in that case, we pretty much had the two full legal parents because the new wife did not go on the birth certificate. Right, um, She was not a parent by adoption or she was not the biological parent. However, she had full custodial rights, so I, I say she got about like eighty five percent of what a legal parent would get right and
1: what are some of those? I mean, when you talk about the you know eighty percent of the rights what's what's that gap? What's that difference between being a full legal parent and being a custodial parent
0: right um, so one of the things is a custodial parent's not going to go on the birth certificate mm-hmm. um another thing is that the child may not receive um social security or social security uh, disability benefits from that mm-hmm. uh, parent as well the child will not automatically inherit inherit from right. that parent as a legal parent that parent custodial parent would have to provide for the child in a will mm-hmm. so the child could still be provided for but it's not going to happen automatically so that'd be
1: more deliberate. as a
0: matter of law and then there's some other nuances in there including you know can you uh, declare the child as a dependent on your tax return and mm-hmm. um and that can vary from state to state and um, based on also where the child who the child lived with, et cetera. So there's some different nuances in there, but those are some of the big factors.
1: Okay. All right. Um, so, what are the various categories of parents involved in multi parenting?
0: Yeah, and that's really expanded. And, you know, we do um, uh, estate planning, and uh, that's been an interesting area uh, because a lot of traditional estate planners uh, typically in wills would only recognize parents by, uh, that were natural or by adoption. Mm-hmm. So it was like by birth or by adoption. Um, but now we have uh, what we consider the the genetic or biological parent, mm-hmm. um, but that can also be a sperm donor or egg donor. Right. And right. if you don't have clear, a clear donor agreement, um, then we run into issues there. And then of course you can have a gestational parent. We have gestational carriers. And so they're not necessarily biologically related unless they're a true surrogate or mm-hmm. traditional surrogate. So you can have a woman carry a child, but not be the biological parent. Um, and then we also have the presumed um, or legal parent by marriage, but mm-hmm. but that might not necessarily be the biological parent. We're going right. to talk about some of these adultery cases where, um, with tri-parenting, where the, the, that's where you do get the three-parent conundrum with the adulterous relationships so, and then, of course, this this evolving uh, theory of the de facto or the, the psychological parent has been evolving over the last uh, couple decades.
1: Yeah, and it, th- that's one that is is really interesting. Can you expand a little bit more on what the psychological or de facto parent
0: is? Yeah. So, um, it, it started coming up, first of all, in some of the lesbian cases, um, especially a Supreme Court case out of Wisconsin, and then, the Maryland Supreme Court adopted the the same um, test as a four-pronged test. But um, in both cases, uh, the uh, lesbian couple had used a sperm donor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, before marriage equality um, for LGBT families, um, if the marriage wasn't recognized, there were issues with, okay, and, and we're, we're slowly evolving toward, um, especially with the recent Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court decision, we're slowly evolving to, the concept of a, a child born of a gay marriage being the presumed child of both parents. Mm-hmm. But when you look at cases from the 1980s, 1990s, et cetera, um, that, wasn't a, that concept wasn't there. So basically, um, what started to evolve was the psychological or de facto parents. So the other spouse was parenting the child, um, but they didn't at the time... Have the same, you know, standing as right. as the actual biological mom. So this four prong test basically started to come about, um, and the the first part of the test is: did the the legal parent, that is the biological or adoptive parent, did they consent to and foster the other parents' uh, establishment of a parent like relationship with mm-hmm. the child? Okay. And then the second one is, did the the psychological or de facto parent uh, live with the child in the same household? Um, And then did the de facto or psychological parent assume the obligations of parenthood by taking significant responsibility for the child's care, education, and development, including contributing toward the child's support um, without any expectation of financial gain on their own? And then the fourth uh, factor is that the psychological or de facto parent had been in a parental role for a length of time, long enough to have established a, a relationship with the child that was a bonded, dependent relationship and, you know, kind of a, a, a parental relationship in nature. Um, and so basically, um, in these cases, the uh, non marital parents, so they're not a legal parent, they're not presumed, they're not the biological, they're not the gestational parent, but they could be deemed a parent by virtue of having, and de facto means by in fact is Latin for, you know, de facto is in fact. Were they in fact acting as a parent Mm -hmm. Um, and were they doing all the things that a parent would typically do? And so, if they and, and psychologically, the child looks to them as a parent. Right. So that's where we've got this concept of psychological or de facto parent. And now that concept that in, in that four pronged test, in particular, is making its way into the tri parenting cases, mm-hmm. um, in terms of somebody developing standing of being a legal parent by virtue of being a de facto or psychological parent.
1: Okay. So um, I know we have different different ways that these arrangements come about. These right. tri parenting. You sort of have the you know, intentional or, or by design tri-parenting arrangements um, as as one part of this. So um, what, is, what is tri-parenting or multi-parenting by design?
0: Well, there's a great Minnesota case on this, and um, I, I love this case. It's just kind of fascinating. So basically, the female parent and her female partner decide to, um, along with their gay friends, um, so two gay guys and two lesbian gals. It so almost sounds like a bad joke, I know. But, uh, it's like, but they, they basically decide that, um, uh, that they're going to all work together to form a child. So um, they agree to have the child together. And originally, in writing, they agree that um, the one fellow, La Chapelle, is going to donate his sperm for the artificial insemination of um, the female parent, Mitten, and uh, they decide he's not going to have... Fantastic I, know was, names. I know the great names. <laughs> I love La Chapelle and Mitten. Um, they decide in writing um, that he is not going to have any parental rights and that Mitten's not going to hold him responsible for the child. So Mitten then, then gets pregnant in April of 1992. And in May of 1992, just a month after she gets pregnant, um, La Chapelle kind of has second thoughts about this whole thing. You know, she's pregnant. I, I guess he starts to get some paternal feelings. And so they sign a new agreement that now Mitten and her female partner, or partner um, Ohanian, I love these names, yeah, <laughs> um, are going to have physical and legal custody of the child, and Chapelle and his partner are going to be entitled to a significant relationship with the child. Um, so, you know, what happens in these multi-parenting by design uh, cases is that everything um, originally by design seems to be a great plan, But then as human nature is, you know, Mm -hmm. people start, people break up or, you know, they just, they want to move or whatever. So um, basically the two women allow LaChapelle and his partner to have some custody and visitation rights until around August of 1994, when they terminated um, the visitation by the two guys, including LaChapelle, who's the biological dad, who originally was supposed to be the sperm donor, but then they renege on that and say, he's not going to be a sperm donor now. Okay. So...
1: Were they consulting a lawyer on the front end of I, I, this, I seriously or? doubt they were, <laughs> <laughs> they were just, okay. yeah.
0: Most of these messed up cases are where, you know, nobody has a clear donor agreement right. in place, um, kind of like the turkey baster case out uh-huh. of Roanoke, Virginia, where um, the gals used her friend's sperm with the turkey baster, and they didn't have any agreement. And, of course, she thought he was a sperm donor, and he thought he was a dad, and the court eventually ruled the turkey baster was not a intervening medical technology, and yeah. therefore he was a, dad. a dad, yeah. So, um, yes, definitely no lawyers involved. So in this case, this Minnesota case, um, in September of 1993, without notice to the guys, LaChapelle and O'Harian went and got a final order of adoption, um, basically telling the court that the child was born the product of artificial insemination by a sperm donor. So LaChapelle finds this out after he gets his visitation uh, cut off. And so he files to vacate the adoption based on fraud. And, of Mm -hmm. course, he begins paternity uh, proceedings. So then to compound matters, Mitten and Ohanian, the lesbian couple, they break up in the spring of 1996 while this litigation is going on. And so all three parties then claim parental rights to the child. And so the Minnesota Court of Appeals found that a tripartite arrangement was appropriate and gave a visitation to La Chapelle, the biological father, um, sole physical custody to Mitten, um, joint legal custody to Mitten and um, Ohanian, um, and basically base the decision on the child's best interest. Um, it, the court also, I believe at that point, Les was trying to move with the child to Michigan, and I think the court basically said, no, you need to come back so that you can make this arrangement work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to have this many parents for the child, we got to put the child's best interest. First, so you know, you can't be having parents moving to different states or anything in these types of arrangements. So um, that was basically an arrangement uh, by design. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, it was a four-person arrangement originally by design, um, which then started to come unraveled. It's not
1: not very well planned out design. It sounds yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, we see so many divorces between um, two-parent families that that's one of the criticisms of. I mean, there are good things and bad things about the tri-parenting that we'll talk about, but one of the criticisms is: you know, you, now you've got three people that you're trying to all, right. you know, keep together for the benefit of the child. Custody
1: battles are hard enough with just two. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You add in more emotional adults into that, and it can get very.
0: Right. Very and then messy. you get people that want to move to different states, mm-hmm. and, you know, if you split up, and now it just becomes more complicated.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when is triparenting Parenting more not by design? I mean, that's one where they, at least initially, it seemed like planned to have more right. than one or more than two people that were going to act as parents for this child. But I know that there are some cases where that's that's not the plan from the beginning and then it, it just kind of ends up that way. So, what are some of those cases like?
0: Right. So, um, a lot of those are the adultery cases. Okay. Um, but then there's a really interesting case out of Louisiana, 2010 case, um, where the maternal grandmom adopts the child um, because the the biological parents are really not equipped at the time to raise the child, so mm-hmm. so grandma says I'm, I'll adopt the child as a single mom, and we're actually and we're seeing with the opioid crisis um, a lot of grandparent adoptions, yeah. you know, and where the biological parents are drug addicts, and now uh, grandmom and granddad are stepping in, and it's an unfortunate, but uh, you know, in our practice, we've been seeing a rise on the on mm-hmm. the grandparent and relative adoptions, right. So um, in this case, uh, grandma adopts the child, but she continues to live with the biological parents in a, a duplex. A f- the family unit lives kind of in a duplex with the biological parents living in one unit on one side and the child living with Grandma on the other side. Um, and then the biological parents end their relationship and the biological father moves out. Um, but then grandma gets into very uh, bad health. She gets really sick. Okay. Okay, and so um, the Supreme Court of Louisiana says that because Grandma adopted the child, the parents were actually non-parents at that point, and and Grandma was a parent because she was the adoptive parent. Adoptive mm-hmm. parents step into the shoes and become a full, you know, legal parent. But now Grandma is really not in a position to um, care for the child. So the court basically um, fashioned a tripartite custody arrangement, again, in the best interest of the child, and basically gave a joint custodial arrangement to all three. Um, so, grandmom's, you know, she's still there, but she just can't physically care for the mm-hmm. child now that she's in bad health. Um, gave primary custody to the to the mother, the biological mother, who is now kind of um, stepped back up mm-hmm. to the plate. Um, but bio, biological dad still has, um, uh, he still has his uh, custodial parent rights right. kept intact as well. So, that wasn't by design, at, at all, mm-hmm. it was just kind of by virtue of... By circumstance. Of, right. And, and, and the same thing with um, the adulterous arrangements, because what happens there is either the wife has an affair or the husband has an affair, mm-hmm. and then they continue to allow the person they had the affair with to have an ongoing relationship with the child. And so their spouse is kind of the presumed legal parent, but then the person they had the affair with who's the biological parent. And so there are quite a number of cases out there as well. So we've got a caller on the line, uh Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm well. Good. You've got a question for us this morning. Yes, I was wondering. Um, with this tribe parenting, is it just with same-sex couples or is it just similar to just like a custody arrangement just with the like third or fourth party? Well, it can be both, Charlie. That's an excellent question. Um because just like in the um the Louisiana case with the grandma we were talking about. Um, you can have all different arrangements. You can have grandma with biological mom and dad. Um, you can have the, uh, the adulterous, um, <laughs> you know, uh, um, affair uh, person along with the married couple. Um, you can have, uh, there's a, a case too um, that I studied where you had a neighbor. So we had biological parents who placed the child with their maternal aunt and then the maternal aunt allowed the neighbor to help co-parent the child um so we're seeing all sorts it's not just limited to lgbt or same sex couples right. it's it's all different types of arrangements that are are out there that are being formed where it's basically you have more than two people parenting the child and i would
1: imagine in in step parent cases you probably get this a lot too where you have a step parent who's really stepped in to be a parent but you, a biological parent who hasn't necessarily stepped out of right. being a parent, um, and I know that's an issue that comes up a lot when we do these cases in our office. Is you know, in Virginia, we're still having to terminate the rights of one parent in order to put the step parent in that in that place. Um, and but I would imagine there's some cases where maybe the parties don't necessarily want to do that. They,
0: there are. There are. Yeah. And that's another good example, Katie, of, of um, these triparenting arrangements where you have step parent now who's pretty much stepped in as the third parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, did that answer your question, Charlie? Yes, ma'am. Great. Thank, Thank you, you so much for calling into the show. Thank you. All right. So, um, mm-hmm. this, yeah, the step-parent cases, that's another one um, which is not necessarily by design. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, people don't intend to divorce and remarry right. <laughs> necessarily. <Yeah. laughs> it's not kind of planned out in advance.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, you I mean, you can, you know, end up where a kid really does have, you know, three people that are are parenting them and that they feel like are... You know their parents in some of these cases. I would imagine. Um, so, when did cases like this first start getting reported?
0: Um, so, there are a lot of cases out there um, that that are unreported, and that's kind mm-hmm. of the problem in this area. Is and I'm writing an article for on the International Academy of Family um, Lawyers, and so trying to kind of get a handle on because. There are a lot of, through networking, I've found there are a lot of unpublished cases. But one of the the kind of the seminal big, big cases that started looking at this concept that's, you know, right out there front and center is the U.S. Supreme Court case um, of uh, Mitchell H. versus uh, Gerald, I think it's Gerald V., Mm -hmm. Um, and that case basically started with a child that was born in 1981 okay, um, in California. And it was Gerald D. Yeah. So it ended up being a 1988 case. But, you know, it takes a long, long time for cases to get right. to the U.S. Supreme Court level. <laughs> so in that case, basically, the child's born in 1981. Um, this is one of the adulterous cases. So mom has an affair. Um, her husband is put on the birth certificate. Um, Mom ends up leaving her husband and goes and lives with the biological dad with whom she had the affair with. Um, she holds the child out as a biological father's, but she's also still letting the child um, have visits with the husband. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this child probably is confused about who his real dad is. Right. And um, she ends up getting back together with the husband in 1984 and so basically, um, biological dad says, no, I'm, I'm dad. And husband's like, no, I'm dad. And so that's why you have Michael H. versus Gerald D. It's bio mm-hmm. dad versus um, legal dad husband. And so in that case, um, we're going to come back after the break and tell you what happens. <laughs> <laughs> been listening to Raising the Bar, Greater Richmond's premier law talk radio show. Now back to Raising the Bar. We are back. This is Raising the Bar, Greater RVA's law talk radio show. And today, uh, this is Colleen Quinn of Locke & Quinn. Uh, today, Katie Kitzstein and I are talking about multi-parenting and um, the concept of uh, when a child can have more than two parents and can actually have three legal parents. And right before the break, we were talking about one of the uh, U.S. Supreme Court cases that really put the spotlight on this issue. Um, it was a 1988 Supreme Court case, but we were talking about um, the child was actually born in 1981 and so that is this case of Michael H. versus Gerald D. And just to diagram it out again, because some of these cases can be a little bit confusing mm-hmm. in terms of, of, of how these three parents come about. But basically, um, mom, and this is a case out in California, mom has an affair during the marriage. And so uh, then when the child is born, um, based under California law at that time, her husband goes on the birth certificate. Um, the reason being is that there um, are... A lot of states out there where uh, you want the child to be born um, not out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. You want the child to be born in a legitimate marriage and not be a bastard. So basically, uh, her husband goes on the birth certificate, um, and then and actually, there's DNA testing done at the time, 1981, which shows that the um, the man she had the affair with is actually the biological father. So mom leaves the husband. And goes to live with the biological father and basically holds the child out as the biological father's for a period of time. But husband is still involved in the child's uh, life because he stepped in as mm-hmm. dad. Okay, I, I don't think he. I don't think he knew he wasn't dad initially. Right. <laughs> um, and then she goes back to the husband in 1984, um, and so now both men, um, both uh, Michael H and Gerald D, are now claiming that. Hey, we're dad. Mm-hmm. So you know, the court has to say, okay, well, who's which? Which dad are we going to recognize as as the legal dad? And in that case, the the guardian ad litem, which is the attorney for the child, mm-hmm. okay, basically, um, sh- the guardian ad litem argues that the child should have both dads. That mm-hmm. sh- um, that she, uh, the child, has due process rights to maintain a filial relationship with both Michael and Gerald. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the court says, um, well even though the guardian ad litem says that this arrangement can be a great psychological benefit to the child. um, California law at this time does not allow for there to be uh, two dads. So Mm -hmm. basically the court says in this case, because mom was married at the time, um, then her husband has to be the dad, not bio dad, not the biological father, which you would think that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But in the interest of saying this child's not going to be a bastard, um, that was the court ruling so, um, interestingly enough, California law has since changed. So, California law expressly is one of the few states that actually has a statute, um, California and Maine, um, it's it, that actually says now in both um, its family code, two parts of its family code, that a child can have more than two parents. So if that case were brought now before the U.S. Supreme Court, I, it, I think it would have a completely different outcome where the U.S. Right. Supreme Court would have to say, yeah, we're going to recognize both the uh, presumed dad that is the husband mm-hmm. um, and we're also going to recognize the the man that she had the affair with, who's the biological father, both of whom who have stepped in to be parents to this child. Yeah. I think it would have a completely different outcome.
1: I'm also curious, in 1988, if the court was worried about the precedent that would be set by saying you can have two legal dads on you know if you're both acting as parents right um, gets, so i wonder how much of that was playing into this case even though this was you know not a case that was you know it was heterosexual couple and the guy she had the affair with but um i just wonder how much the court was thinking like what happens if we say yes this child can have two dads right um, and then in
0: 1988 and you've got um oh you it it went goes against you Tradition It yeah. goes against certain religious views. You know, um, we've got the issue of the child being born out of wedlock. How does that affect the child? Um, who's going to be responsible for child support? Um, well, if both dads are, actually, that's a good thing for the kid. Right. <laughs> you know? One more source of- more, more More people to pay for the
1: college education or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. So you, you mentioned this a little bit before the break, but to all of these cases... Um, you know, try parenting, or three people, three or more people getting recognized as parents. Are they getting reported regularly? Is it something easy to track?
0: Or no, it's it's so hard to find. Um, so through like the Academy of Adoption and Assisted Reproduction Attorneys, and through the LGBT Bar, and you know, like you basically. Um, and if you go, if you Google this topic, you'll see articles um, where it's referenced. Oh, there's cases in Alaska, and there's cases, you know, here and there. Um, but a lot of it's anecdotal because you've got attorneys that are just going to the juvenile court, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of those cases are under seal, so mm-hmm. you, you can't research and find them. So there are a lot of unpublished, unreported cases out there to try to really get a, a handle on what's going on and how many of these tri-parenting cases, um, you know, how many of these tri-parenting arrangements have been actually fashioned. It's it's hard to get a good handle on how many there really are out there, yeah, so
1: i'm I'm guessing, and this is something we haven't talked a whole lot about yet. Um, but I imagine that with assisted reproductive technology and the you know evolution that we've had in that that area lately, um, how has that contributed to sort of this rethinking parenting arrangements and the law?
0: Um, well, I think it's contributed enormously, um especially when you have somebody that is donating sperm or, donating their egg. Um, you've got a uh, woman where uh, they're in a committed relationship where one will contribute her egg to her partner to gestate mm-hmm. along with donor sperm. And if you don't have very clearly delineated donor agreements, you don't have lawyers involved. Right. We talked about the turkey-based or case out of Roanoke, Virginia. Um, then you, you run into some issues about who who's the parent because... Is that person really a donor, or is that mm-hmm. person a biological parent? And we talked about the the Minnesota case with, you know, La Chapelle, who originally started as a donor and then decided he was going to be a dad. And, and and that that happens quite a bit where we have these um, donor dispute cases.
1: Yeah. Um, so, are there any? I know you mentioned uh, California, but are there any states or countries who permit tri-parenting by actual statutes, um, in addition to California?
0: Right. The, the ones that I'm aware of and I'm still kind of researching, but Maine has a, a statute. In addition, uh, we, you know, we talked about California statute. Um, but, and California actually in 2011 um, had a case where the child's biological mom um, and the biological mom's wife and the biological father were all declared to be presumed parents. So um, that case in 2011 was kind of a precursor to uh, the two statutes enacted in California in 2013 and 2014 that uh, recognized that legally you could have uh, more than two parents and they don't they don't in this California statutes they don't limit it to like three parents it's just um, one of the statutes uh, says that in an appropriate action a court may find that more than two persons with a claim to parentage under the under this division are parents if the court finds that recognizing only two parents would be detrimental to the child and then it basically says the court has to consider um, all relevant factors including the harm of removing the child from a stable you know placement mm-hmm. the child's physical needs, the child's psychological needs for care and affection etc so it kind of goes into that psychological parent um, test. So th- there presumably could be four or five parents under California statutes. Um, now there's a statute in Maine and it's it. there's not a whole lot on it, but it was enacted in 2016. And basically it says that um, preservation of a parent-child relationship consistent with the establishment of parentage under this chapter, a court can determine that a child has more than two parents. So again, that's not limited to, mm-hmm. to three parents either. Um Arguably, in Maine, you could have four parents, five parents, Um, and there's. I wasn't. I haven't been able to find a whole lot um, in terms of how that statute has played out yet in Mm -hmm. Maine. And then in Canada, um, and it's only in certain provinces um, that, uh, but that they've recognized um, the uh, that a child can have more than two parents, and that actually prior to that was the statute in 2016 um in Ontario and actually prior to that statute the Ontario Court of Appeals in a 2007 case uh, recognized that there were could be three parents in this case of AA versus BB and again this is one of those ones where you have to kind of diagram it out but anyway in that case um, um A and her partner C had been in a stable um same-sex union Um, And then they decided to start a family with the assistance of their male friend, B. Mm -hmm. Okay. A, B, and C. (laughs) A, B, and C. And again, one of these, um, you know, kind of let's all have a child together by design. And they decided that it would be in the child's best interest for B to remain involved in the child's life. So you have um, biological mom and biological dad who are the child's legal parents. But they also want A, the non-biological parent, who's the wife of Mm -hmm. the biological mom, to be recognized as a mom And um, A and C did not want to get an adoption order because that would cause B to lose her status. Mm -hmm. So A brings an application for a declaration that she's the child's mom. And while the court says that there's a legislative gap in this case, um, they want children all to have um, equal status and quality of status for the child means recognizing all of that child's parents, whether born in or out of the marriage. And so basically that case says... um, we're going to recognize um, both moms. And in that case, the child actually at that point, I was in her teens and she said, I just want both of my moms recognized as my moms. Mm-hmm. And um, the court in that case said it would help the government and the law, it would help if the government and the law recognize that I have two moms. This is what the child said. Um, it would help more people to understand. It would make my life easier. I want my family to be accepted and included just like everyone else's family. So, um, you know, this, this child has two moms and a dad and want it to feel like I I want to be able to hold them out, you know, as legitimate and legal and and the court said, yep, this is in the child's best interest and then um, not long after that, then we have the Ontario statute that says you can have more than two parents but we have to, uh, the way Canada's broken up, that's kind of just limited to one part of Ontario, I mean, to one part of Canada which is Ontario. So, um, those are the countries and states uh, with actual statutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into the issue of, is there case law, which is different than statute. Statute would be the legislature actually is issuing a statutory provision that this is blessed by the legislature, as opposed to being fashioned by the courts with case law.
1: Okay. And I imagine in these cases, especially when it's, when there aren't statutes, they seem to be really facts, specific i mean when you're looking at this best interest of the child you know standard that's the court's really going to take a close look at you know what is really going on in the situation what are the you know relationships of all of these you know parents to the child and what's what's really best i mean in that case you have a teenager who can you know sort of speak for themselves and um, right and and talk to the court but it seems like these are all really you know case by case before you have a statute on the books.
0: They are. And some of them, you know, the folks are fighting. But in the cases where they all say, yes, we want, mm-hmm. we're one happy family, this, you know, AA versus BB, they're like, look at we, this is working. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we, we've got a great two mom, one dad arrangement for this child and it's working for the child and the child says mm-hmm. it's working. So it's kind of hard for the court to say no to to blessing all three parents.
1: Right, right. Um, really interesting. Um, so what about, um, putting more than two parents on a birth certificate? Do
0: these places that allow it by statute, um, also allow that or is that allowed anywhere? Yeah. And it gets a little bit, um, more complicated because you've got cases out there where the court finds that there are in fact three equal legal parents, um, but they don't have a statutory scheme that allows all three to be put on the birth certificate, and then it becomes a little bit more complicated in terms of okay well which ones do get to go on the birth certificate right um, but in terms of uh, cases that we know about um, we know that in Florida um, that at least uh, three people two moms and a, and a a sperm donor but he really wasn't a donor because if you're a donor you' you know you're basically not a parent but in this case um the biological father and the two moms were put on the birth certificate um, in an unpublished opinion in the Miami Dade Circuit Court. Um, so again, it's an unpublished opinion, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it's, it, but it apparently is is out there. And then um, both Argentina and Brazil have allowed all three names to be placed on the child's birth certificate. Um, the Brazilian case is uh, again two married women and a male friend who helped them conceive the child, um, and the Argentinian case um, also was a same-sex couple and the and uh, the biological parent um, again two women and a man who uh, basically all went into a tribe parenting arrangement. Mm-hmm. So, um, Argentina and Brazil and Florida are ones that we know that uh, the child actually got placed on the birth certificate. And I suspect there are more out there. It's just hard to try to track them down.
1: Right, because so often these things are confidential and are sealed and they're not you know, not always just readily available to research. Um, so we've been talking a lot about the specific cases, but I know that um, as this has evolved, it's sort of become a, a hotly contested issue on both sides. So what are some of the arguments um, that people have against these tri-parenting or multi-parenting
0: arrangements? Right, So we kind of alluded to it um, a little bit earlier, but, you know, one of the arguments is good grief. Look at the divorce rate as it is, um, you know, between two parents. Um, Now you're going to throw in a a third parent or even a fourth parent. I mean, my goodness. um, Now let's look at what these custody battles are going to look like because um, now we're going to have more fighting. Um, of course, the counter argument to that is n- actually there are some arrangements out there like the Canadian case of AA versus mm-hmm. BB where actually the tri-parenting arrangement was working just perfectly fine. So, um, you know, some uh, folks that are more on the conservative religious side um, feel that um, a child should just have two parents that are the 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 two legal parents that are married to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that, that goes back to that uh, U.S. Supreme Court case, um, you know, uh, that rose out of California. Um, the argument is that we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be recognizing uh, parents of a child um, born out of wedlock. You know, so the the legal presumption needs to be that it's, it's the husband and the wife or the wife and the wife or the husband and the husband, um, now that we have marriage equality, and it shouldn't be some other third party, um so there's so it's kind of the argument that it's steeped in tradition mm-hmm. and accepted family structure and accepted marital presumptions of the child being born of the marriage um so that's basically um one of the strong arguments. Another one is that um a concern about abuse that this is, where are we going to stop this like uh can having multiple parents uh, basically allow cults to form, you know, where um, basically a number of parents can all uh, have some sort of cult control over the the child. Um, Why not form a a commune or a religious organization or a sect, you know, where we're bringing these children in and they're being parented by four or five parents. So there's this concept of... how far are we going to allow this to go mm-hmm. um, and of course the um, you know what what truly is in the best interest of the child and that cuts both ways both for and against it just depends on the level of conflict in the multi-parent relationship okay. so those are some of the another one is a lack of stability for the child some people argue that having more than two parents the child's going to be unstable and confused um, that flies in the face of the counter argument that the more parent the child has, the greater the stability. So, mm-hmm. you know, you guys, so. Yeah, the people are arguing both sides of it. Right. So
1: so what are some of these arguments in favor of, you know, I mean, obviously courts have started to recognize this. State legislatures have, you know, a couple of them have started to recognize this. So what's what's the basis for that?
0: Well, you know, some of the biggest argument is that just more people to love the child, mm-hmm. you know, love and raise and and um, uh, be able to pool financially together to, to uh, benefit the child. And so that um, if the child truly has more than three people, and it's not limited to, you know, same-sex relationships or adulterous relationships, but you mentioned earlier, Katie, the step-parent relationships, mm-hmm. where there really truly are, you know, Two, uh, three parents that are all stepping in to help parent the child. Um, we've got, you know, grandma and relative. We've got other uh, relationships where, um, you know, other people are stepping in and doing the hard work of raising a child. So another argument is just fundamental human rights, mm-hmm. that humans have the right to define their identity um, the way, uh, both in a practical and in an abstract sense. Mm-hmm. And so... Another one is that um, why discriminate? You know, uh, you got parents in a tri-parenting arrangement. Why, why be discriminatory about that? You know, um, and uh, we've got the TV show at Three's Company, and you know, know, um, the other thing is equal footing among parents. Mm -hmm. So um, again, okay, so you you had the affair. Well, why should the biological parent you, you know, basically, who you had the affair with? Why? Why should they be precluded from being a parent? Mm-hmm. Um, why should they be punished? Because, I mean, they well, they were in the affair, but you know, right. They they did uh, basically conceive the child. Um, scientific advances, of course, you mentioned assisted reproductive technologies. Mm-hmm. That's kind of changing the the framework. And you know, we've got changing societal norms. I mean, you know, just over time. Um, that and honoring parties' att- intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, if people want to form uh, different types of parenting structures uh, and they can make it work, yeah. why limit it?
1: Well, and it sounds like in a lot of these cases that by the time they get to the court, I mean, the parental relationships between the child and these people, that's happening anyway, you know, whether right. or not the court or the state recognizes, you know, the these people as legal parents... They essentially are in a lot of these cases, you know, even without the, you know, the court order or the birth certificate or whatever, you know, thumbs up from the government they're getting, um, you know, it sounds like it's it's already happening, right. um, you know, in these cases anyway. Um, so is there any historical basis for this or is this just a totally new idea?
0: You know, I was thinking about this because, you know, I'm a scuba diver mm-hmm. and I was thinking, you know, if you look at dolphins, okay, okay, so I mean, there there is a, a lot of um, human history here too, but just look at um, animal behavior, okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, my husband and I were scuba diving on one trip and um, we had the, the first pod of dolphins go past us. Well, the way dolphins are is the first pod is of all the scouts and those are the the, the males that typically swim as couples um, and they are the scouts and they, they swim in the first pod, okay? And then the second pod that went past us, um, which was really beautiful and amazing, uh, was the nursery, okay? And in the nursery, you have um, the mothers and the sisters and the grandparents um, all, um, and it literally the dolphins, um, you have the big dolphins with holding the fins of the the babies and yeah, and the 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 younger junior dolphins, and so the nursery pod is uh, consists of all of the the woman, the you know the the ones that have hooked up with the scouts that are you know the male guys, um, the ones that haven't, the sisters, the mothers, the grandparents that they're they're all essentially parenting the junior dolphins. Yeah. Okay, so we have this in in um, in animal behavior, and. And then when you think about um, uh, certain aspects of the, of the, the Mormon church, um, uh, certain close family units, tribal units, um, nomadic units, mm-hmm. um, if you think about um, uh, folks traveling together, gypsies, um, if you think about folks living in communal um, uh, areas, Indians, Eskimos, um, if you look at uh, just families that uh, live together and are close together. Uh, more and more, we've got grandmom and granddad living in the home, um, and so y- you can see that in many cases, uh, just as a matter of families that stay close together, mm-hmm. that you oftentimes will have uh, several different adults acting as parents.
1: The whole concept of it takes a village to raise a exactly. child. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's very true in yeah. some different, you know, kind of community arrangements. Right. Um so is this is this a movement that we are looking at continuing either
0: by statute or by case law or just by practice? I think we are i mean if we if we look at kind of the evolving things that are happening around the world mm-hmm. um we look at uh the published case law that we know about we look at uh, the unpublished case law that we're becoming more and more mm-hmm. o- aware of um those cases just you know through networking and anecdotal and then Uh, There are a lot of um, news reports because this, I think this uh, subject is of interest to a lot of journalists. Mm -hmm. Um, We have the evolving statutory law. You know, we're seeing California, Maine, um, and Canada, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, We're also seeing now the evolution of uh, three parents being put on the birth certificate in Brazil, um, Argentina, and in Florida that, that we're aware of. And so uh, with you you add in um, same-sex marriage. You add in uh, the opioid crisis where we're seeing, you know, grandparents and relatives stepping in to assist biological parents. Um, you add in the concept, the, the, the fact that we have so many divorces and then we have step-parents stepping in. Um, you have all these different factors that all lend toward this evolution of recognizing more than, than two parents. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's going to be the direction we continue to head in um, with all of these different variables uh, occurring.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm just thinking, you know, um, some of the, it, it seems like in the cases that are going to court, I was thinking when you mentioned earlier about, you know, people making that slippery slope argument like, oh, where's this going to end? Are we, you know, what about cults? What about, you know? Um, But in every case that you mentioned, the court has looked at the facts of that case and it has been very fact-specific. It's not this carte blanche, you know, all right, anybody go out and, you know, sign up to be a parent on this child's birth certificate. The courts are actually looking like, okay, who are the parties? What is their relationship? And is this in the best interest of the child? Right.
0: I mean, it's it's, it's not just Mm willy-nilly. You you go back to the Wisconsin... um, four prong de facto psychological parent test. And that's a pretty steep test to basically say that this person has truly stepped in as a parent. So join us next week um, when we do part two of uh, single dads and foster care and join me with Joel Elston. It'll be a great show. We're going to really focus on the foster care system. Thanks for having us today on Raising the Bar.